Hello. Thank you for joining us for another episode of This Week in AML. I'm John Byrne, Chair of the AMLRS Advisory Board. And I'm Elliot Berman, our Creative Director. We are excited to welcome you to the This Week in AML podcast, where we explore key news and developments in the global financial crime prevention community. Hi, John. How are you today? I'm good, Elliot. How are you? I'm uh, good, too. We've had a couple of beautiful uh, days here in uh, the Midwest, and uh, I've been uh, uh, learning about a bunch of new things. And today I thought, you know, they're, they're actually taking votes in the House on amendments to the Enablers Act, we, um, which we talked about a few weeks ago. Um, piece of legislation extending, broadly speaking, extending the uh, uh, some of the provisions of the Bank Secrecy Act to lawyers, accountants, trusts, and others who are involved in uh, financial transactions. Um, and they, it's been attached to the National Defense Authorization Act, so it's being actively looked at. And uh, I know you were uh, watching the live uh, telecast of the vote. So what's going on with that? Well, it's, it's still going on. And it does tell you that this is why Congress is, uh, uh, how can we phrase it carefully, how they are unable to really do anything. If you remember how a bill becomes law, you know, you could introduce a bill, go through committee, go to the floor, that kind of thing. While that still happens, it's only these major pieces of legislation like the NDAA that even allows sort of adjacent and sometimes not very clearly connected uh, amendments to be included. So that's what's going on. And it's probably going to go all day. You know, we're recording this on Thursday, but I thought it was important to, t- to highlight a bunch of things. Also, to just say to folks that are paying attention to these uh sort of activities uh it's hr 7900 is the bill so if you go to uh, house.gov you can certainly take a look at massive amounts of provisions there's over a thousand amendments maybe even more so it's hard to sort of navigate but i thought there were a few things that we should at least highlight because some of these will make it through this has to go through the senate after the house but like ndaa back in January of 2021 or late December, 2020 um, more than likely if it's in the house provisions, it'll stay in the Senate provisions. Um, obviously depends on, on, are, are there, uh, uh, are there voice votes? Are there, uh, you know, roll calls, that kind of stuff. But there's a few things in there. There's a number of provisions amendments rather on corruption, anti-corruption offices to deal with that. That was in there. Also, the uh, the proverbial Safe Banking Act that we've seen uh, that uh, has been around for a number of years that would deal with the issue that many of our uh, clients struggle with, and that is, you know, given the fact that um, uh, you're trying to decide whether you're going to bank marijuana businesses, and you know, marijuana is still a Schedule One or Schedule A, whatever whatever the category is. Uh, control substance. So this this Safe Banking Act, which again has been around for a number of years, would give a safe harbor for institutions uh, that decide to go ahead and bank, and obviously they'd have to do their proper due diligence. So that's in there. We had talked about domestic PEPs. 
that was considered out of order. So that amendment did not make it through. Um, so whether it comes back up again in the Senate is still is still a question. But as we've mentioned before, domestic uh, PEPs, some of our clients already screen for those, but many do not. And obviously this, this would add um, add some requirements that they don't, they're not currently um, um, uh, oversighted for from, from the regulators. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But also a couple other ones that I thought were interesting. One would extend the statute of limitations for money laundering offenses, specifically for those that relate to oligarchs. So if you get an oligarch that's laundered money, you'd extend the statute of limitations so you'd have a longer period of time to prosecute. So that's obviously a reaction to what's going on in Ukraine. And similar to that is another amendment that any assets that are uh, captured by from oligarchs would uh, be designated to help rebuild Ukraine. So that's interesting. Again, like I said, a number of provisions on cyber. And then one I know that you've looked at and we've talked about, and that is the enablers provision that would uh, include so-called gatekeepers that aren't currently required to deal with um, uh, uh, the, the requirements of the Bank Secrecy Act. Yeah. And uh, um, the important thing there, and again, you and I have talked about this in the past, is um, uh, it was driven, um, uh, some of that was actually driven by the uh, Pandora Papers um, about, uh, you know, uh, how gatekeepers have become the enablers and even it's actually in the uh, preamble to the uh, to the actual uh, legislation Uh, they have become the enablers um, to help uh, people move and hide uh, assets Um, and while some of those people maybe you know are doing things that are perfectly legal uh many of them are not and or it's a mixture of legal and um illegal and so um and there are and i think we talked about this as well there are a number of other countries the uk being one of them where uh lawyers and accountants and uh corporate service companies uh already have some obligations, maybe not the full regimen that we have in the United States of the Bank Secrecy Act, but certainly have disclosure obligations, reporting obligations, that kind of thing. Um, And I, uh, you know, my own opinion is that um, it's important um, for people who are engaged in those kinds of activities um to be responsible um for their acts and uh in particular you know um as a uh you and i are both lawyers um you know uh it's one thing to vigorously represent a someone charged with a crime uh, in defending them but i think it's another thing to to be a facilitator or an enabler of people committing crimes or 
actively hiding the fruits of crime, that strikes me as out of bounds. And, uh, and uh, it's, I guess, the, the Pollyanna in me, and there isn't much of that, as you know, John, would say it's too bad that we actually have to have an act um, to require this stuff because it seems like doing the right thing is what you're supposed to do. But um, if we need an act, then let's go get one. Yeah, you know, the, um, the reference point in the sort of the preamble to the coverage of gatekeepers includes, as you just said, references to the Pandora Papers and uh, FATF. And also, as we, I think we've talked about this, maybe even on this uh, program, is back in December, last December, the U.S. had a strategy on uh, countering corruption. And so in that uh, strategy, they talk specifically about the deficiencies in our framework, including what they're trying to cover here, professionals and service providers and lawyers, accountants, you know, trust company service providers and others that help, quote, enable, unquote, the movement of illicit funds. So there's a lot of uh, support, factual support for why this is uh, being included. I think what's going to be interesting is the way the, the amendment is currently structured. So it doesn't change the requirements for gatekeepers would be obviously decided by the Treasury Department through regulation, or maybe obviously uh, FinCEN. Um, but the, the, requ the requirements, once that's decided, you're covered. Uh, you, you, you know, um, what are going to be the appropriate requirements? So they'll. So the regulation will say, uh, obviously, totally guessing here. It'll say if you're a lawyer and you're involved in these certain transactions, you need to do this. If you're a corporate service provider, you need to do that, that sort of thing. So right. that's part of it. And then also uh, treasury is going to have to identify people that are in these categories. So it's a lot to do if this is to happen. And it's going to be interesting to see if there's any uh, opposition to this on the Senate side, because right now, again, as we're recording, it looks pretty clear that this is going to make it through the House. Yeah, you know, that approach to, you know, uh, the legislation extending the, the, the umbrella, if you will, of the Bank Secrecy Act to a new class of folks and then uh, leaving it to the FinCEN ultimately to write the regs, that's what happened with, um, uh, uh, in the Patriot Act, that's how insurance providers right. brought into the act they were um they were added to the list of uh organizations to be covered but the um but the actual detail and and that's why we ended up with some parts of the insurance industry being covered you know comprehensively and some not based on fincen's determination through the um, through the process of where the, you know, where was the money laundering risk? Right. And there's toward, toward the end of the amendment, there's also a recognition that to make this effective, you're going to have to work with states and localities. And there actually is a provision that says the treasury, and they always put this language in there to the extent, greatest extent practicable, will establish relationships with uh, state, local, territorial, and tribal government agencies uh, to figure all this out. So I think um, 
yeah. that's obviously a recognition that there's only so much you can do on the federal level. You're going to need some state support because in, in many of these states, that's where the licensing requirements are and that's the application process, you know, that sort of thing. So it'll be, uh, it's not going to be easy to do. It'll probably take a while, it, notwithstanding the deadlines, but I agree with you that this is something that should have been done quite a long period of time ago. Indeed. So um, here's a chance for a shameless plug. What else do you have uh, going on? We have a couple of uh, podcasts that we haven't posted yet. One with a former Federal Reserve employee that now works for uh, CypherTrace and talks about crypto. Um, you know, that uh, that's coming up. And then a real interesting conversation with the new executive secretary of Wolfsburg. And so that'll, that'll get posted. I'm also uh, working with um, the IRS uh, to talk to some of their folks, uh, updates with, with them on some of the work that they're doing. And then, uh, you know, I have a couple other uh, p potential folks to interview that I'm uh, working on yet, but I'll save that for next week. Okay. And uh, I'll throw one in. Uh, if you look to our website, we posted a blog that um, I wrote. Um, that's not why you should read it. Uh, but it's about the new uh, uh, crypto framework that is uh, been preliminarily agreed to in the European Union um, that will um, is being viewed as something that might be to crypto what what GDPR is to privacy in terms of leading the way of a, a functional framework for uh, managing the consumer um, protection aspects and the operating environment for uh, crypto uh, asset service providers. So um, worthwhile to see that. It won't become law for probably another 18 months, but it's what's coming. And it's certainly, uh, I think, something we all should be aware of, even if we're not doing work, active work in the EU. Well, that sounds good, Elliot. Uh, stay safe. We will uh, catch up again next week. Take care. Yeah, you be well, too. Bye-bye.